Hi there, welcome to the Kids Way Podcast. We are a podcast committed to helping kids stay in the way of the King. And if you've never heard of King Jesus, well get ready, you are going to love Him. We pray that you would also learn more about what it means to be on His narrow way. We also use various tools to encourage and teach, from fictional stories to scripture reading, to music and sometimes even bringing in some kids to contribute. You can find us online at www.kidsway.ca and there you will find links to our Facebook page and also other info about Kidsway. Before getting into today's episode, we want to thank Jamie Souls for allowing us to use his wonderful music collection. If you would like to check out more of Jamie's music, you can find him at soulmusic.ca. That's www.solmusic.ca. Well, let's get to the story. We pray you are encouraged and pointed to King Jesus through today's episode. Hey, and welcome back to Kids Way Podcast. I know it's been a long time since we've continued with our story, Shamgar and the Unexpected Bride, but if you recall, in our last episode, Shamgar and Ada were filled with a glorious filling as the helper of Joshua came upon them and filled them, empowering them with courage and boldness and the assurance of their salvation. In today's episode, we will continue the story as they prepare to make their way into the desert of Chosek. As Joshua had instructed them, they were to leave the city and start making their way to his kingdom. And so this is chapter 7, The Dangerous Escape. We began packing immediately, making sure the provisions from Joshua were all accounted for. I wore the magnificent armor and carried the shield upon my back. The sword was sheathed at my side, and tied to my belt was the flask of wine, and in a sack was the bread which Joshua had given me. I had made a leather bag in which to carry the sacred writings, and wore it over one shoulder as the book lay at my side. While I knew that Joshua had instructed, Bring only your cloak and your staff, and a day's portion of food and water, and these things that I will give unto you. I could not bring myself to leave without my trusty rope. Many times my rope had saved my life, and surely Joshua would not oppose to one extra item. 
Besides, I reasoned, it will help me get his bride to his city. I took my walking staff in hand and looked over at Ada. She was wearing her white robes and freshly made sandals which I had picked up at the tanners the day before. She also carried a bag around her shoulder with some provisions of food and water for the journey ahead. As we looked at each other and nodded to confirm our readiness to leave, I couldn't help but feel the pull of all that I was walking away from. The house of my childhood filled with memories and precious possessions. As we stepped outside and looked down the torch-lit street, I sensed that Ada was also having second thoughts about leaving into the unknown desert before us. I reached into my leather bag which contained the sacred writings. I scanned the writings for a passage I had read a few days previous which had come to my mind, no doubt by the aiding of the helper. I found it and read it aloud. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Matthew 10 Verse 37. At this my heart burned within me, and the doubts fled into the darkened night. I glanced over at Ada, and with tears in her eyes she smiled and said, May we be among those who are found worthy. And so we stepped out into the night, making our way to the outer wall that separated us from the lonely desert. The streets were quiet and calm. After having served on the night watch for so many shifts, I knew where to expect the night watch, and also how to successfully avoid them. We passed through the courtyard, and I couldn't help but recall the events of that fateful night. My heart rejoiced and yet hurt with regret at the same time, as I remembered my cowardice heart. And yet, I also recalled the stripes that brought my healing, and the sacrifice that paid my debt. And oh, the glorious resurrection that assured my victory over death in him who is the firstborn from the dead. I can still see the love and care in Joshua's eyes as he willingly laid down his life for us. Ada followed close behind as we tried to avoid the light from the torches. I knew that our best chance was through the archer's windows along the wall. I even knew where a rope was stored in the event of needing to pull a soldier trapped outside the wall during battle. And so we crept into the winding stairwell. It had been a while since I was to the forest's edge that rested against the treacherous and uninhabited desert. We did have a few watchtowers in place along the forest's edge to monitor the border, but rarely did anyone venture any distance into the desert. As I recalled, we only had a short distance to go through the forest to the desert of Chosek. If we could make it to the edge and the wind speed stayed up, we should be able to lose the guards in the cloud of sand. Although I had no idea as to how we would navigate, much less survive beyond that point. I recalled one time when I helped chase down a convicted thief, and he managed to get through the gate, which was usually open during the day, and he fled for the desert. When he finally got to the desert's edge and began to run into it, I, with my fellow soldiers, laughed him to scorn and counted him as food for the birds of prey. So, I had counted on a similar response once we made it some distance into the desert and did not really have a backup plan beyond that. I still began to doubt as I thought about that God-forsaken wasteland, but based upon Joshua's track record, I had no reason to doubt his faithfulness to see us through. As we ascended the stairs, I could feel my heart beating within my chest, for attempting desertion was punishable by death. 
But the scriptures that I had read moments ago echoed through my mind, and I sensed the courage rise in my heart to keep climbing, to keep pressing on into the night. For even death was better than to forsake my prince again. Better that I die walking in obedience than live in rebellion. It did encourage me to see Ada's commitment to persist as well. She even began humming a song of praise, which I reluctantly asked her to save until we were several lengths from the wall. Finally, we reached the first level of the archer's towers. These are really only used in battle, and so the only light that we had was the dim light that came in through the window from the moon. No doubt, on top of the wall, torches were lit as evening watch patrolled. I fumbled around in the small room for the rope and hook to lower down. I quickly located it and tossed it out the window. But as I went to set the hook on the inside of the wall, my head bumped into steel and my heart sank. I had forgotten about the bars, which were locked over the window openings. Only the captain and the second-in-command had a key to unlock these. I sat down in despair and defeat. There is really no other way out of the city without someone knowing you've left. There is no way that Esau, the gatekeeper, was going to let me through without a quick call to the captain. Over the top of the wall is too risky, and it is far too far to descend down from. I slammed my fist onto the stone floor in frustration. It was Ada who stopped and said, Why don't we call out to our king in prayer and ask for his help? Surely these locks are no match for him. Initially I was annoyed at her idea, but then I was convicted at my lack of faith and nodded my head. I started. Father of our Lord Joshua, please hear our cry for help. We seek to do that which Joshua instructed us, and yet we seem to be trapped already. Deliver us from this prison and set our feet safely upon the ground below, we ask, that we might come into your great kingdom as Joshua has granted. In the name of our Lord we pray. Amen. Ada also prayed, Great King and Maker of all things, we desire to walk as Joshua has instructed, but we are prevented from doing so by these bars and this lock. Please give us a way to open the window that we might set out across the desert. Thank you for sending Joshua to rescue us. In his name we ask. Amen. Suddenly, as Ada prayed to the Maker of all things, I thought of the sword which Joshua had given me. It was forged in Mamlaka. And surely anything forged in that great city was far stronger than any forge in Arden. I quickly unsheathed my sword and pressed it into the lock, and with a quick twist the blade cut through the lock and the bars were free. I set the hook and helped Ada over the edge, but as she started over I heard a voice from above. It came down from there, the breaking of metal! And then another voice. Send two men to inspect immediately. Surely even he wouldn't be crazy enough to try that and then the rushing of footsteps. I knew it was the captain's voice, and we were no longer unnoticed. I knew our time was short. After Ada was a few feet down, I started over the edge, and just as my head dropped below the windowsill, I heard footsteps starting up the stairs. I whispered as loudly as I could down to Ada, We've got to hurry! Guards are coming! She soon reached the bottom and waited for me. Go, I said, out of the range of the archers! And so she bolted. Just as my feet touched the ground, a head poked over the windowsill. Sham, you are crazy! And then he called up. It is Shamgar, sir, and the woman with him. The captain snapped back. Kill them both! I did not stay to chat, but bolted into the darkness. I heard the sound of arrows being drawn, and one just missed my head. 
Another was released, and I felt it thud against my shield, which I carried on my back. Thank you, Joshua, I prayed, and quickly caught up to Ada. Stay in front of me and let the shield take the arrows, I yelled. And so we ran into the night, not sure where we were going, but too afraid to stop. All I knew was, away from the city was the desert, and that was where we were to go. Finally, I remember thinking, we've lost them. But just then I felt another arrow hit the shield. They were on the ground and pursuing us. Another arrow came dangerously close as it glanced off my helmet and flew to the right of Ada. We zigzagged around trees, hopped over logs, dodged under branches. Thankfully, the moon was bright enough to help us see through the trees. As it was fall, the once suspended blanket of leaves had already mostly settled to the floor. I called to Ada again. Do not stop at the forest's edge, but run on into the desert. Finally, I could see the ocean of sand ahead. My throat tightened and my eyes began to sting at the thought of the sand pelting against them. Only a few more steps and we would be through the forest. I was too afraid to look back to see if our pursuers were gaining on us. My heart rejoiced as I watched Ada run out into the sand and disappear in the midst of the cloud of sand that was blowing up from the desert winds. Just as I was about to pass by the last few trees on the edge of the forest, the rope that was hanging over my shoulder caught on some branches and I was thrown to the ground by the sudden stop. My lungs struggled as the arrow was suddenly forced from them, and after what seemed to be hours, they finally began to fill again and I could breathe. As I stood up to untangle the rope, I struggled to get it free for the branch had pierced through it and was not letting go. Suddenly I was reminded of Joshua's words as to what we should and should not bring. And then out of the corner of my eye I saw the shimmer of armor reflect the moon's light. I cried out, Save me, Joshua! And I heard the sound of an arrow being released. I lifted the rope over my head and turned to run. But as I did, I felt as though something had stung me in my left arm. But after a few seconds, a surge of pain hit my body, and I realized that I had been shot by an arrow. Still trying to run, I glanced over and saw the shaft of the arrow protruding out of the back of my arm. With the surging pain came also a surge of adrenaline, and I ran faster than I had ever into the desert storm. Trying to move side to side so as to dodge any additional arrows, I pressed on across the cool sand. My eyes began to sting as the small specks of wind-torn rock pelted my eyes. But just when I thought that I had lost Ada, I spotted a flash of white ahead and knew that it was her. My arm throbbed, but I was thankful that the blowing sand would not only cover our tracks, but also the dripping blood from my arm. We continued to press on into the unseen path ahead. My mouth became dry and filled with grit. I squinted through my stinging eyes so as to minimize the spray of sand lodging itself inside my eyelids. I don't know how far we had come into the desert, but I knew it was farther than I had ever gone before. My mind began to race as I tried to figure out what our plan was. We could not continue this way much longer. I felt my legs growing tired, and I could tell that Ada was also slowing her pace as we fled into the night. The blowing sand in our face made navigation impossible, even with the help of the moon's light. I prayed under my breath, Deliver us, Joshua, for your great name. And no sooner did the last words of prayer leave my lips, did Ada drop out of sight. Before I could process what had just happened, I felt my feet leave the ground as well. Or so it seemed at the time. 
but I quickly realized that I was actually falling and not flying. Providentially, we had stepped into a type of, of a small entrance to an underground tunnel. The opening was small, for as I slid down, there was just enough room for my body and gear to fit. As my arm entered, I had another surge of pain as the arrow broke and slid down beside me. To this day, I still don't know how far we went down, but I do remember hitting the bottom. I did my best to shift my weight so as not to land on top of Ada, and I was able to for the most part as the shaft widened into a type of underground cave. After quietly checking that Ada was okay, we both lay in silence praying that the soldiers were off our trail enough to miss the hidden shaft. I felt my arm where the arrow tip remained embedded into my flesh, and there was still a good amount of blood oozing from the wound. I tore a small strip of cloth from my undergarment and wrapped it around the injury and pulled the knot tight with my teeth and hand. It was not the first time I had been struck with an arrow, but certainly the most foolish, for it seemed that Joshua himself had chastised me for my disobedience and I knew that I was in the wrong. According to his mercy and grace, my life was spared, and I did not take the fatal shot. Ada, sensing that something was wrong, asked if I was okay. I explained what happened, and she also thanked Joshua for sparing my life. While I knew she could have jeered and teased me and called me a fool, she instead thanked me for serving her and getting her out of the sea. Humbled by her kindness, all I could say was, You're welcome. Thankfully, after waiting for what seemed like hours, we heard no sound of soldiers, or any life for that matter. The cave was black as pitch, and yet I was sure that I could hear the sound of water trickling. I assumed it was just my mind playing tricks on me. But as I felt around, there was what seemed to be grass or some kind of plant. I also felt the broken arrow shaft that had followed me down the sandy slide. I began to collect what felt to be dry grass and collected it into a pile. I felt the edges of the cavern and my hand brushed across a stone-like surface, and so I drew my sword and scraped it along the rocks, sending a shower of sparks into the ball of dried plants. After several attempts, there was a small glimmer of coals and a small flame rose up and cast light into the room. I quickly wrapped some of the remaining plants around one end of the arrow shaft and lit it as well. As it burned, I carefully waved it across the room, and from what I could tell, we were on the edge of a kind of underground shore. I could not tell how large the body of water was, but we looked to be in no danger for the night, and so we both breathed a sigh of relief and removed our bags and I my armor, attempting to clean our eyes. We ate a few bites of food and drank some water, and then lay down to rest. Despite the discomfort of burning eyes, sandy clothes, and uneven ground, we both slept. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Tune in next time and we'll see what happens as our story continues. Remember, if you would like to write to us or find out more information, you can find us online at www.kidsway.ca. And don't forget to head over to www.soulmusic.ca to find many more songs that Jamie Souls has written and recorded. See you next time. May God bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you.
face it all unseen Through the eyes of faith we see them Flex your muscles, throw troubles to the wind 